On the early morning of October 17, 2009, 44-year-old Pandora Zahn placed a frantic call to 911. Pandora, obviously distressed, tells the 911 operator that someone broke in and knocked her out. And when she woke up, she found her husband dead, blood everywhere. The 911 operator tells her to check and see if her husband is breathing. Pandora tells the operator that his eyes are open, but he's not moving. She cries out again that there is blood everywhere and also tells the operator that he is stabbed everywhere. The operator tells her to go outside and wait for the police to arrive. Police are at the residence within minutes. Hi, Curious Listener. Welcome back to Corn Fed Killer. Today we're going to be in Ohio, and I am bringing you the brutal murder of Charles Zahn. So, it is October 17th, 2009, and the police have responded to a 911 call. When they arrive, they find Pandora waiting outside, as the operator had instructed her to do. Police walk into the Zahn's apartment and notice that there does not appear to be any to be any obvious signs of a break-in. No forced entry, nothing appears to be amiss in the living room area or the kitchen. Officers do note that there is a small slit in one of the front windows, but they do not believe that it is big enough for a person to have gotten through without tearing the screen. They do, however, dust the window and the screen for fingerprints. When the police make their way to the couple's bedroom, they are horrified by the gory scene in front of them. On the bed lay Pandora's husband, 45-year-old Charles Zahn. He is undoubtedly dead and soaked in blood. There's blood all over the bed, the walls, even the ceiling. They notice that a nightstand next to the bed on the side where Charles's body lie, had blood on it and in it, as if someone had opened it to remove something from it during the attack. Police also discover a rubber glove soaked in blood on the floor near the bed. Along with blood evidence, fingerprints, and the rubber, rubber glove, police take, also take several knives from the home. They could not be sure of the murder weapon, so they wanted to test them all to see if they could get any fingerprints or residual evidence from them. One thing is glaringly clear. Whomever killed Charles on did so mercilessly. Immediately, authorities could see that Charles on had been stabbed multiple times. Stab wounds were visible on his head, his stomach, and his back. His throat had also been cut and he had been stabbed through one of his eyes. So what the hell happened here? Pandorazon, described by police as later, they describe her as being rather nonchalant, not overtly emotional. She told police at the time that she was sleeping and she was awakened by a loud noise so she went into the living room to investigate it. 
She reported that two men hit her with something and knocked her out. When she came to, she says that one of the men was on top of her, holding her down, while the other must have been in the bedroom with Chuck, as Charles was called, because her husband Chuck, she heard her husband Chuck screaming and what she called struggling noises coming from the bedroom. Then one of the men said, let's go. The two men left. Pandora says she went into the bedroom and saw the gruesome scene. She then dialed 911. When asked if she could describe the two men that broke into her apartment, Pandora tells police that she couldn't get a good look at them because it was dark. But she thinks that it was two black men. So, who was Charles Chuck Zahn? Well, Chuck was a military man. He served in the Army and then in the Marines. He married young and had a son named Adrian. That marriage didn't work, and he and his first wife divorced in 2001. While going through the divorce, Chuck met Pandora in an online dating site. They hit it off and married just about a month after both of their divorces were finalized. Yes, you heard that right, both. Pandora was also going through divorce at that time. Pandora had two children, a daughter, Misty, and a son, Cody. The couple formed an instant family. Charles worked as a corrections officer and encouraged Pandora to quit her job and stay home with the kids. She agreed and says that she really loved being a stay-at-home mom. Misty later said that it worked out okay because all the kids were about the same age and they got along pretty well. She indicated that Charles had strict rules, which, you know, as a military man, is not surprising. And she said that it was pretty easy to break those rules. She said that her brother, as well as Chuck's own son, Adrian, could all be argumentative and would buck Chuck's rules at times. Not unusual for a family with three kids, right? Especially as they grow into their teenage years. As he got older, according to Misty, her brother Cody and Chuck really began to butt heads, and Cody moved out of the house at just 17. Cody and his girlfriend, and eventually fiancé, had a child shortly after this. And even though Cody and Charles's relationship was not always easy, Cody still visited the family home, and Chuck was close to his child, to, to his grandchild. In fact, according to Misty, who now also had children of her own, Chuck absolutely loved being a grandpa. She says that he was a really good grandpa. Let's go back and turn our attentions back to Pandora's on. During Pandora's initial interview with police, she tells police that the day before the murder, Chuck stayed home from work. She indicated that he was unhappy at his job. She said that the two of them spent the day just hanging out together, watching TV, and that they were intimate that night. She does, however, admit that their marriage was not all sunshine and rainbows. In fact, she tells police that she and Chuck had been separated for a while, about a year prior to the murder, and that Chuck had a girlfriend during that time. She told police that his girlfriend was also a corrections officer. Maybe police should talk to her. 
Additionally, Pandora tells them that not long before the murder, Chuck had a run-in with a former inmate from the correctional facility where he worked. The inmate had had said something like, I'm going to look you up, to Chuck. Pandora says that Chuck was shaken up by the incident. She tells police that that former inmate was a black man. So again, she's pointing them in a direction. Maybe the girlfriend, maybe the ex-inmate. All right. So police do interview Chuck's ex-girlfriend, and they find her to be credible. She says that she and Chuck have not been in contact for eight months. She says when he and Pandora reconciled, their relationship ended. Police say that it was clear that she still cared for Chuck, but she did not seem upset about his having reconciled with Pandora. Also, she had an alibi, and it checked out. So the police quickly clear her. Next, the police decide to interview the couple's children. They start with Chuck's son, Adrian. Adrian is visibly upset during the police interview. He tells police that he saw his father the day before the murder and that he did not notice anything odd. Everything seemed fine. Police interview Chuck's... Not Chuck. Chuck's stepson, Pandora's son, Cody Henderson... Police notice right away that Cody has scratches and scrapes on him, including a cut near his eye. Police ask him about it, and Cody tells them that he went to a haunted trail in the area. Now, remember this happened just a few weeks before Halloween. The murder was on October 17th, so we're right in that haunted house, haunted hayride um, time (laughs) in the U.S., right? And particularly, you know, in the Midwest, we love to have a haunted trail, haunted hayrides, that kind of thing. And so he tells police, you know, I went to this haunted trail and I, you know, I hit my head on something and I got cut there. Police aren't buying it, but they let him to continue. Cody says that he and his baby mama, a girl called Brittany, went to his friend Nick's house that night and that they all slept at his house that night. During the interview, Cody also mentions Chuck's run-in with the ex-inmate. Police note that he doesn't seem upset about Chuck's death at all and that he's very matter-of-fact. Police are indeed very suspicious of Cody at this point. He is at the top of their suspect list. Now it's time to interview Pandora's daughter, Chuck's stepdaughter, Misty. Misty, police recall, is calm and cooperative. She revealed that Chuck was sometimes physically aggressive to both Cody and her when they still lived in the house. She also tells police that she, too, had heard about the run-in with the former inmate. Police are now suspect of pretty much everyone. who was close to Chuck Zahn. They determined that they need to talk to Pandora again. Pandora agrees to a second interview, but only if her daughter Misty is allowed to to accompany her and sit in on the interview. Police agree and indicate to Pandora that the interview will be recorded. During this interview, Pandora's story changes a bit. And Misty notices that the police are very suspicious of her mother. 
She recalls thinking, quote, oh my God, they think my mother did this, end quote. So Misty cuts the interview short and takes her mother home. Misty doesn't let sleeping dogs lie, however. She decides that she needs to confront her mother to question her about this. So she says to her mother, quote, what if my brother did it and you are trying to cover it up, end quote. Her mother answers, quote, you wouldn't be wrong, end quote. She also tells Misty that Cody told her that he would not get arrested, that if it came down to it, he would commit suicide by cop. Misty is understandably horrified by this revelation and quite suspicious of her brother and her mother. She tells her mother that they have to go back to the police. So Misty brings her back to the station. This time, Pandora tells police that Chuck was abusive and that she wanted out of the marriage. She says that she told her son Cody that she was afraid to leave and file for divorce because Chuck would come after her. Now, I want to put a note in here. Um, the abuse that she alleges was never corroborated there were never reports or anything like that. That's not to say that it isn't true, um, but I just want to throw that in there. All right, so Pandora allegedly told her son, Cody, that she thought committing suicide was her only way out. Cody told her, no, don't do that. I'll take care of it. Pandora says that she didn't know what he meant until the morning of the murder when she saw her son standing in the living room holding a knife. She said she noticed that the curtains were open and the screen was cut. Now, remember we mentioned that screen before. Pandora doesn't know it at this time, but the police don't buy this part of the story at all because they have already determined that no person could have gotten through that slit in the screen without tearing it. Police also noted that on the morning of the murder, the curtains had been drawn. There was no way Pandora could have seen that the screen was slashed, unless she knew about it being slashed beforehand and then closed the curtain for some dumb reason, right? All right, so Pandora continues this version of the story by saying that Cody told her that she'd better get out if she didn't want to be a part of it. She tells police that she collapsed onto the couch in the living room and could not move. That's my melodramatic voice. <laughs> okay. She says that at one point, Cody came into the room yelling at her, quote, Bitch, get in here. I lost one of the knives, end quote. She says she wanted to help him look, but she just couldn't move. She watched as Cody went into the kitchen and grabbed another knife. She heard stabbing coming from the bedroom. Pandora says Cody came out eventually, and she asked him, what am I supposed to do now? And Cody said something to the effect as you'd better think of something, and left. Pandora says she got up and she saw her husband lying there with blood all over, and she collapsed into the bathroom. She didn't want to be near him and all that blood. <laughs> Police are still suspicious of Pandora, and in case you couldn't tell, so am I. But 
they know that they must get to Cody. So they ask Pandora to get Cody on the phone and try to get him to confess. She agrees, and the detective detectives listen in as she calls her son. During the call, Pandora tells her son that she thinks that she is going to be arrested, that the police just have uh, uh, too much evidence. There's no way they're not going to arrest me. She asks Cody, how many times did you stab him? Cody answers, quote, a bunch, end quote. Then he says to his mom, I really don't want to talk about this over the phone. So they agreed to meet at a hotel where Cody was planning on spending the night. The police set up a sting. The room is rented and Pandora tells Cody that she will meet him there. The police park her car in front of the hotel so Cody will assume that his mother is there. They hide out in the room and wait for Cody to come. When Cody comes in, he is greeted not by Pandora, but by police. They arrest him. The police describe Cody as emotionless and say that he does not seem surprised at all, almost as if he was expecting it to happen. At the station, just three days after the murder, 19-year-old Cody Henderson confesses to killing his stepfather. Cody says that he sneaked into the house and into the master bedroom. He grabbed his stepdad by the head, and his stepdad woke up. He says that Chuck reached for the nightstand, opening the drawer, and Cody knew that he kept a gun in there, so he knew he had to do it. No turning back now. He said he tried to slit Chuck's throat, and when that didn't work, he just started stabbing Chuck over and over. He says that Chuck fought hard, but that he just kept stabbing. At one point, Cody says that the knife slipped, and he dropped it. He says that his mom brought him another knife from, another knife from the kitchen. He continued stabbing until he thought Chuck was dead. Then he left. Charles Zahn was buried on October 26, 2009. The autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed around 50 times all over his body. Charles Zahn did not die from his throat being cut or even from being stabbed through the eye. Medical examiners determined that Charles Zahn bled out from all of his various wounds. This would have taken around 15 minutes, so it's very likely that Chuck was still alive when Cody left the scene, and had Pandora called 911 earlier, he might have survived. Well, curious listener, <clears throat> you might think that the case is now closed. Cody confessed, right? The police have their killer. On to the next case. Well, not quite. Police keep investigating. They are not convinced that Pandora did not play a greater role in the brutal murder of her husband. Police discover that Pandora had taken out three or four life insurance policies on Chuck, totaling half a million dollars. Now, 
it's not unusual to have life insurance policies on your spouse or in a, you know, in a marriage, <clears throat> pardon me, it's a normal thing, right? You know, I have life insurance, my husband has life insurance, but it is odd when you take out the policies and then the murder takes place shortly thereafter. Suspicious. So, confronted with this revelation, Cody decides to tell the police the whole truth. Cody reveals to police that he knew about the life insurance scam, that his mother hired him to kill Cody, or pardon me, that his mother hired him to kill Chuck, offering him money from the life insurance that she would collect after he was dead. Cody says that he and his mother discussed various ways to kill Chuck. They talked about shooting him, but decided that would be too loud. For example, they talked about a few other ways and then finally decided on using a knife. Cody says that his mother gave him money to buy a hunting knife and that she set the date for the murder. Cody says that his mother did not go outside or into the living room while he stabbed Chuck. She stood in the doorway and watched the whole thing. Afterwards, she told him to steal stuff from the house to make it look like a robbery. She held open a bag for him while he stuffed laptops and other items into it. Cody is arrested and charged with aggravated murder, aggravated robbery, felonious assault, and tampering with evidence. Now, police need to bring Pandora back in and question her further about her role in Chuck's murder. Pandora would later say that it was almost a relief when the police came to her at this time. She says that she knew they would come and get her eventually. She ultimately does admit to conspiring with her son to murder her husband. She is arrested on April 27, 2010. As it turns out, Pandora was no stranger to the criminal justice system. She had been arrested only a few months prior in January of 2010. So this was after, shortly after her son confessed to murdering her husband. Remember, he confessed in October of 2009. Now in January of 2010. So what's, what's that like three months later? She's arrested on a fraud charge for passing off bogus $50 bills at a TJ Maxx. Interestingly enough, that did not begin Pandora's criminal career. She had spent 14 months in prison back in 2003-2004 for the armed robbery of a clothing store. So, you know... Um, I'm, I'm in no way suggesting that robbery leads to murder. It certainly doesn't always follow that trajectory. I'm just saying that you're, you know, we're kind of getting a picture of the kind of person that we're dealing with. You know, um, fraud is, is dishonesty. So we're, we're dealing with a dishonest person. So it kind of makes you wonder about anything that she says, right? So, okay, 
Pandora Zahn was indicted on eight charges for her role in the brutal slaying of Charles Zahn. These charges were three counts for complicity to commit aggravated murder, two counts for complicity to commit aggravated robbery, two counts of tampering with evidence, and one count of obstruction of justice. Pandora originally pleads not guilty by reason of insanity. This is laughable to me. Laughable. She's not insane. She's a cold-hearted bitch, but not insane. <laughs> so. Okay. She is, of course, then evaluated by a state-appointed psychiatrist to determine if she is competent to stand trial. On October 22nd, 2010, she is deemed competent. Her defense attorney, however, is not happy with that ruling and he motions for a second evaluation. Pandora Zahn is once again found competent to stand trial. Her trial begins and her defense attorney's strategy, strategy is to blame everything on her son, Cody Henderson. <laughs> See what I mean by cold-hearted bitch? Uh, you know, mother of the goddamn year. I mean, seriously, this woman cares nothing about anyone except for herself. This is pretty apparent to me at this point. All right. So during the trial, her defense attorney tries to paint her as an abused, desperate woman who just wanted out of her marriage. This tactic doesn't quite work, however, and the jury are not fooled, especially when the prosecution calls up several witnesses that reveal a different side of Pandora Zahn. The Zahn's upstairs neighbor, a man named Van Gundy, testified that he heard, quote, a very loud top-of-the-lung scream, end quote, on the early morning of October 7, 2009. He says that it woke him up and he looked at the clock. It was 5.50 a.m. He says that he recognized the voice as belonging to a man, to Charles Zahn. He says that he listened for a minute and he heard some voices and figured that the couple was having some sort of domestic dispute. That was not so uncommon for the couple. So he lays back down, Van Gundy lays back down, and he says about 10 minutes later, later he heard another scream. But this time, he said the scream was more subdued and that, quote, it had agony, end quote. He grabbed his phone to call 911 and he looked out the window. When he looked out the window, he saw Pandora on the lawn just calmly standing there. So he assumed that she had everything under control and he went back to bed. Now, if Van Gundy's timeline is correct... It would be more than 20 minutes from the time Gundy heard that first scream to the time that Pandora called 911. Hmm. So the next witness called by the prosecution is a woman named Carl Hairston. Hairston had been in jail, <clears throat> pardon me, had been in jail with Pandora Zahn before the trial. Hairston testifies that Pandora told her that she didn't feel bad about her husband's murder, and that she planned on using life insurance money to start a new life with her new boyfriend. Carla Hairston was not the only 
former cellmate than Pandora had confided in. Veronica Sexton served time with Pandora prior to the trial. Veronica testifies that Pandora told her that she had removed her husband's gun from the nightstand prior to the stabbing so that Chuck couldn't grab it and use it to defend himself. Furthermore, and most disgustingly and disturbingly of all, Pandora confided to Veronica that Charles was still making noises after Cody left and that she waited for the noises to stop before calling 911. So, as speculated earlier, it is like not, I mean, not likely, this pretty much spells it out, right, that Chuck was alive when Cody left and that she simply waited for him to die. He was suffering. Her husband suffering. And she could give a shit. She could not give a shit, right? Oh, it's chilling. It's really just chilling. All right. The witnesses didn't stop there. Cody's pal, Nicholas Howard. Remember, Cody had told them, police, the police earlier, that they had he and his fiance had stayed the night at Howard's house on the night of the murder. Well, Nicholas Howard takes a stand and he says that he and Cody's former fiance, Brittany, and she's also the mother of his child, were waiting in the rental car that Pandora had rented for Cody while he committed the murder. Howard further admits that he helped Pandora sell two laptops that Henderson had stolen from the apartment after he killed Chuck. Brittany, Michelle Taylor, also takes the stand. She admits to being in the car with Nick and Cody, or with Nick, when Cody murdered his stepfather. But she says that the two of them did not know beforehand that he was going to kill Chuck. She says that they thought he was just going to commit a robbery. But when he came out of the house, he was covered in blood. Brittany says she was shocked. And she says that Cody said to them that he had killed his stepdad. Brittany admits to also being present a few days later when Cody tried to burn his bloody clothes. So, of course, this testimony is damning for Cody, but it also points to Pandora's involvement, you know, having had Howard um, sell the laptops. So, all right, so these witnesses' testimonies are indeed damning, and Pandora is found guilty on all charges. On April 22nd, 2011, Judge Wiseman addressed Pandora directly before pronouncing her sentence. He said to her that she showed no remorse for her actions and that he was giving her the maximum. For the murder, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Additionally, she was charged with 25 years or I'm, part, I'm sorry, sentenced to 25 years for the other charges relating to the event. Pandora will never know freedom again. At least not while she's alive. Prosecutor Dan Bryant said after the tri trial, quote, This is one of the worst crimes that I've seen. 
the deviousness, the planning, the cover-up, end quote. I couldn't agree more. I feel like she is just cold, cold, cold. And I don't believe for a second that she feels bad about the murder at all. She feels bad she got caught, but about the actual murder, I don't think she gives a shit. And I, I don't even think that she feels bad for coaxing her son into murdering the stepfather and ruining his life. She was ready to throw him under the bus to save herself. So I say, rot Pandora, good riddance. As for Cody, he ended up avoiding trial and pleaded guilty to all charges, thus skirting the trial and a possible death, death sentence. Cody Henderson was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, plus 15 years. It is unfortunate that Cody had a shit mom, and if not for her, I do believe that he, it is highly unlikely that he would have killed his stepfather, but he did, and he has to pay for it. So I do think he is where he belongs. Nicholas Howard and Brittany Michelle Taylor faced charges for their roles as well. They were both charged with a misdemeanor failure to report a crime, and Howard was additionally charged with a felony count of tampering with evidence for his role in selling the stolen laptops. Whew! We made it. What a case. Um, and as far as I know, Pandora and Cody are still alive and serving their time in their respective prisons. And, you know, it really makes you think, you know, for what? For money? Money which neither one of them ever received. So the whole thing was for naught. Not that there's ever any good reason to commit murder. There isn't. But, you know, it's just ridiculous. So I will leave you with this thought. Stated by one of the detectives on the case. And it's also, you know, an old saying that you might have heard before. Quote, love for money is the root of all evil, end quote. Is it or isn't it? You tell me, curious listener. Please follow us on Instagram at CornFedKillerPodcast and on Twitter at CFKillerPod and send us an email to CornFedKillerPodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, curious listener.